Heavenly Father, I ask that during this time that you would speak to our hearts, that your spirit would be here, uh, that you would calm our hearts and the hundred things that we're thinking about that are on our minds that are distracting us from hearing what you want to say to us today. Would you help us to set those things aside? That you would help our hearts to be here, our souls to be ready to hear what you have to say to us today. That you would open that veil of the heavens and speak to us. Open our eyes to see your glory just for a moment today and speak into our hearts. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Time. What is time? I think we think, spend a lot of time thinking about time without actually ever thinking about time. Uh, what is time? Uh, what's it here for? What do we use it for? We often spend a lot of time thinking about the past, uh, dwelling on what happened before, wishing that we could go back and change uh, the mistakes that we made, uh, the things that were done to us in the past. We spend a lot of time thinking about the future as well. What will I be doing next year? Uh, what will I do later today? Um, how will I respond if this terrible thing happens in my life? How am I going to talk to my boss tomorrow when I go into work about the thing that happened yesterday? In English, we have all sorts of statements about time. Uh, and this is where I'm sorry to Farfar, uh, who has to translate this. Uh, we don't want to waste time. Uh, we want to save time. Uh, sometimes we're just passing time or killing time. A stitch in time apparently saves nine, uh, but I, I still don't have any idea what that means. Um, in general, I think we live most of our lives as slaves of time, always wishing we had more of it, rushing from place to place, doing lots of things without actually ever thinking about what we're doing right now or why we're doing it. Uh, for the past week or two, I've been very consumed with time. Uh, I have several trips coming up, uh, conferences to put into the schedule, visa complications, and can we leave here, and will we all be able to leave, or if, you know, how does it all work? And trying to put all the pieces in our schedule and make the time work is very complicated, and it leaves me feeling really stressed about time. But a long time ago, in a land pretty far away from here, uh, our story begins for today. The stage is set in, by the Sea of Galilee. Uh, you can imagine a beautiful lake. Um, and in the midst of, on the edge of the lake, uh, there's a swirl of activity, a little village, city by their standards. Uh, and there's people in going around in the marketplace, people busily about their day, just like most of us. Uh, nobody really stops to talk to each other because they're busy about their work, going from place to place, doing things. But Jesus is gone from them. He was there, and then he went across the lake, 
And as usual, he was shocking people wherever he went with his power, with his disregard for the status quo, freeing a man that was formerly known, made known as legion from demons at the expense of the local economy. Uh, but he comes back and he steps off the boat and the swirl of activity in the marketplace briefly stills as people stand and gawk at Jesus. He's back. Then most of the crowd continues to go about their business. Well, some people gather around him and press close to him, and that still moment suddenly is fractured by, Jesus, save me. Jesus, I'm blind. Heal me. Jesus, I need help. All of these requests of him. And the crowd presses close again. Off to the stage right suddenly comes a man dressed very richly, surrounded by servants with this air of importance, urgency, and desperation. Jairus is a synagogue leader, uh, respected by his community. He's important, he's connected, uh, busy. Uh, he is a man that gets things done. When you need something, you go talk to Jairus. Uh, but now, the tables are turned, and Jairus is in need. He's desperate. You see, Jairus' daughter is sick, dying actually, and there's nothing he can do about it. He has seen all the doctors, uh, given her all the medicine, called in all of his many connections, and he has nowhere else to turn. His last ditch effort uh, is to see if Jesus can do anything about it. Maybe, just maybe, when he has tried absolutely everything else, maybe Jesus can help him. If it weren't for this crisis, G Jairus certainly wouldn't be here. Jairus is far too important of a religious leader to bother with Jesus. Uh, in fact, I wonder if it weren't for this crisis, would he even be thinking about his daughter at all? Uh, he's a busy man, uh, probably too busy going about his religious work uh, to really think about his daughter, to bother with his family, or even the life of his own soul. He is a busy man, after all. Uh, but all of that important business is on pause now. His daughter is dying, and his attention is focused in, and he is desperate. In he rushes, surrounded by his servants to Jesus' side. His servants are pushing aside uh, everybody that's getting in his way, all the less important people crowded around, so that Jairus can come and fall at Jesus' feet. And he pleads, Jesus, Jesus, my daughter is sick. She is dying. Come quickly. Heal her if you can. You are my last hope. I have nowhere else to turn. Jesus smiles slowly, peacefully says, oh, at last you have come to me. Of course I'll come with you. Please lead the way. But the crowd presses close and his movement is slow. Jairus and his servants are getting more, agita more and more agitated as time wastes away. They want to run on ahead. They want to go fast, but they can only crawl because the crowds are packing in so close. Jesus, however, looks totally at ease. He's chatting calmly with the disciples. He's stopping to give a smile and a kind word, 
much to the annoyance of Jairus. Suddenly, Jesus stops and says, who touched me? The disciples are confused. Jairus is furious. Uh, There are crowds everywhere, Jesus. Who isn't touching you? Uh, Jesus is unfazed by their sarcasm. And he says, "I, I felt power go out from me. Somebody touched me. The crowds part, and an old lady lost in the crowd suddenly appears. She's small, stooped, fragile, sick. Nobody had noticed her before, but she's used to that. Uh, For 12 years, she's had a flow of blood. Uh, The condition uh, drains her energy, makes her tired. It's inconvenient, it's messy, but worst, it makes her an outcast. The law of Moses says uh, that people with flows of blood are unclean. So she is cut off from the community. She's unable to worship at the temple. For 12 years, she has been suffering. She's exhausted all of the doctor's knowledge, uh, spent the last of her money on another quack cure, unable to do anything to fix her situation. Like Jairus, she too is desperate. But unlike Jairus, this desperation isn't a new thing. Her desperation is slow and agonizing. Twelve long, wasted years. As long as Jairus' daughter has been alive, she has been suffering. Slowly killing time as time slowly kills her. But during those long, slow years, she's come to understand more of herself, her soul, the love and presence of God than than Jairus has in all of these years as a religious teacher. So that when she sees Jesus, she recognizes him. God, here, among us, one touch is all I need. And she comes close, believes, touches him, and she is healed. And Jesus, alone among all of the crowd, notices her. He stops in the midst of his busy day and all of the things that he has to do and the urgency of um, everybody's needs, and he listens to her long, winding torturous story about all the doctors she has seen and how they have all failed her. He already knows the whole story. He wrote her whole story, and yet he listens, he empathizes, he cares. Daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. And she does. She goes in peace. Healed of her ailment, welcomed back into the community with a new heart, with the ability to suffer and listen to those who suffer, empathy for those in pain. She has been transformed. But in the midst of this slow miracle, Jairus is there tapping his foot impatiently. His servants are agonizing. The disciples are besides themselves. Don't you realize who this guy is, Jesus? 
This is the most important man in town. He has all the connections here. If you help this guy, we have the entire city opened up for us. Why are you bothering time with this lady right now? Her ailment will still be there tomorrow. But this is urgent right now. Why are you paying attention to her? But Jesus doesn't panic. As they're talking, more of Jairus' servants rush up. Don't bother the teacher anymore. Your daughter is already dead. Jairus is livid. I came to you for help, and you didn't rush. After all I've done for God, you owe me better than this. But Jesus isn't even put off by Jairus' anger. He sees below it into the fear, sadness, and guilt in Jairus' soul. Do not be afraid. Believe she will be well. And once again, sauntering like he has all the time in the world, Jesus moves on slowly through the crowds to Jairus' house. When they finally reach Jairus' house, there's the sound of wailing. The professional mourners are there, uh, and Jairus' family has spared no expense. Uh, these people know how to wail. Uh, Jesus comes to the family who are also wailing, if not quite so professionally, uh, and says to them, don't weep. She's not dead, just sleeping. Despite their deep sadness, this is so ridiculous that they just laugh at him. It's a despairing, mournful, hopeless laugh. But still, Jesus isn't bothered by this. Um, he goes into the little girl's room. He reaches down his hand into death and calls her back. The girl gets up as if it was the most natural thing in the world, as if she was just sleeping for a bit. Jesus says, hey, this little girl is hungry. Who can get her some food to eat? It's amazing. Awe-inspiring. Jesus is so amazing. But now I want to ask you a question. Who are you in this story? Who do you identify with? Are you like Jairus and the important people? Busy, important, on a tight schedule? Always got things to do, always rushing from thing to thing? Will it take a crisis, like the death of a family member, a broken marriage, a layoff, for you to slow down and listen uh, and notice life passing you by? Uh, can you learn, or can you learn from Jesus to just saunter a bit, be present in the moment, confident that Jesus has given you all the time to do everything that he's asking for you to do today, if only you would trust him? Or are you more like, do you feel more like the invisible woman today, unnoticed, broken, needy, suffering, without hope. Jesus hears you. He notices you. He stops for you. 
though today may or may not be the day of your healing, Jesus wants to walk with you through today. As you walk through suffering with Jesus today, he grows your soul. He's shaping you into someone that can deeply and compassionately minister to others. He hasn't forgotten you. The path that you are on is his path for you, winding though it may seem. Or are you more like the disciples, busily going about the work of Jesus, having lost the ability to saunter like Jesus, in a hurry to do his work, but unable to rest in the presence of the creator of time. Can you slow down? Be present. Notice life going on around you. Jesus doesn't need you to be in a hurry. Jesus is inviting you to, again, enjoy the work that he's given you to do today. I personally have a bit of all three of those in me. Um, I have a lot of problems with time. Um, I hate wasting time. I love efficiency. I love getting things done well in the least amount of time possible. In fact, getting them done quickly sometimes takes precedence over getting them done well. Uh, it shows up in my work. When I have a lot of things to do, I tend to try to rush around, uh, multitasking, trying to get everything done all at the same time. My goal moves from trying to do God's work to just getting things done, accomplishing tasks, rather than serving the Lord. And I end up with my soul frazzled, angry, distracted. Uh, I, I'm in the process of learning to stay in conversation with God about my work. I'm learning uh, that he has given me all the time in the world to do all the things he's calling me to do. And whatever he isn't asking me to do today can just wait. And that doesn't mean that I have all the time to do everything that everybody else wants me to do, uh, but everything that Jesus has for me I can do today. He is a much, much better time manager than I will ever be if I will listen for his guidance throughout the day. It, my problems with time show up in my home. Shows up on Sunday morning, rushing to try to get to church on time. We're going to go worship God. Quickly, go, go. Uh, it goes when we're trying to leave the house to go play for the day. We're going on vacation. Hurry, 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 hurry. We won't have time to play if we don't hurry now. Stop playing. I actually said that. Um, um, the pressure to not waste time makes me stress easily, short with my children, short with people around me. It shows up with me when I'm home, when I'm off of work, when I'm at home, not often being truly present with my children, uh, thinking about everything else that's going on in the day, uh, just a little bit resentful, 
uh, of my children as they ramble on and on about the latest Lego set that they were hoping to buy. Um, but I'm starting, just starting, uh, to learn to try to slow down a bit, unplug from my devices, and just be present with my family when I'm there. There's a few things that help me slow down, uh, to learn to saunter a little bit like Jesus when I remember to do them. The first thing is to take Sabbath seriously. God designed us with a need for rest, and he commanded us to take a day a week just to rest and enjoy life. Uh, Sabbath isn't designed as a day of rules, you must do this, you can't do this, but it's designed to be a day for us to enjoy. It's a day when the only thing that you do not do is what you ought to do, but what you would bring life to your soul that would give you more capacity, that you would help fill up your heart and your energy and your life. Those are the things that you do on Sabbath. It might be on Sunday. Uh, for me, I like to do it on Saturday. Our family does, does Sabbath on Saturday. Um, it's less busy. There's a time when we can just have space uh, to be together. No computers, no email, no WeChat. Um, the world has to be quiet for a day when we can be together as a family to spend time together, to read, to spend time in the presence of Jesus. Just enjoy life. Sabbath has been a powerful, powerful thing for our family in the four or five years that we've been practicing that. The second practice that helps me to saunter like Jesus is being present where I am. Am I in a meeting? Be there in the meeting, engaged in the meeting, not checking my messages, not thinking about everything I'm going to do after the meeting. Just be there. Am I at home? Leave the phone to the side and the computer and all of the worrying about work and just play and have fun with my kids. Am I doing email? Just write that email. Not multitasking, I don't know about for you, but multitasking for me is death for my soul. Uh, doing a hundred things at the same time, I get frazzled, angry, frustrated. Um, it's bad for my soul and it's terrible for my effectiveness. When I do one thing at a time and focus on the thing that I'm doing at the moment, I'm much more effective and my heart enjoys it. The third thing that I do, um, a practice that helps me to saunter like Jesus, is to preach to myself. Every day I face the temptation to rush, to multitask, uh, to pack more and more things into my life, leaving myself frazzled and angry, nothing left to give. My soul runs to this idol of packing more and more and more things into my day. And I've forgotten what time is. Time is a gift. 
And God has given all of that gift to me that I need today. I don't need more than I have. He's given me all of it that I need. When I find myself getting stressed and rushed and my pulse starts rushing and I'm getting short with people, I, know, I try to notice that. Notice what's going on in my heart. Notice the shortness that I'm using when I'm speaking to people and that sense of panic in my heart. It's time to come to Jesus, to invite him in. Um, and and I, I imagine Jesus in, in this situation is Jesus rushed, panicked, multitasking, or is Jesus the creator of time, like in the story of Jairus, casually sauntering as the world rushes around him, fully, poem, fully present in every moment that the Father has given to him. It's time for me to confess my sin. It's time for me to confess my rush, my anxiety, my temptation, my, to pack more into my day, and to ask him to help me see time as a gift again. I ask him to help me be present in the moments of my day and walking with him, guided by him. One of the life messages that the Lord, that I, the Lord has been speaking to me which I have to preach to myself every day is you have all the time that you need to do all that God is asking you to do today. I'll say that again. You have all the time that you need to do all that God is asking you to do today. I have to preach that message to myself every day multiple times a day because it is so easy for me to stop believing it and to move into rushing, move into stress, move into packing more into my life. But this process of talking to my soul, reminding myself of what is true, helps to change my heart and reset my heart and to bring my pulse back down so that I can remember Jesus, slow, present in everything. So in closing, I'd like to ask you a question again. Who are you like? Are you like Jairus? Busy, important, rushing from place to place, getting things done. Pulse rushing as we race through life. Are you like the invisible woman, wounded, desperate, waiting for life to get started? Or are you like the disciples, busily going about the work of the Lord with a stressed and anxious heart? And what is one, one practice that you would like to try out today? Take a Sabbath, be present today and whatever the Lord has for you, preach to yourself that you have all the work time 
that you need today? Something else that the Lord is speaking to your heart? How to learn to saunter a little bit like Jesus? So my challenge for you today, talk to somebody about this, your wife, your husband, your kids, a friend, over lunch, maybe over dinner. What is the Lord speaking to you? Who do you relate to in this story? And what is one thing that you would like to do to slow down and learn to saunter like Jesus? Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, you are the Lord of time. You made it all, you shaped it all, and you've given it all to us as gift. Help us in the midst of rush, in the midst of busyness, in the midst of work schedules and family schedules that push us to go faster and to pack more in, to have hearts that rest in your presence, hearts that trust you with tomorrow, that trust you with what we're going to do in the future so that we can be truly present with you in the midst of our busy days. We need your help. Our souls run to sin, to controlling ourselves, uh, controlling our own time, controlling the time of those around us. Change our minds. Renew our minds that we can live every moment in your presence, resting, peaceful, effective, as we do the work that you've called us to do today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen.